Come on, let's take a few moments on this Wednesday night and let's give God praise. Come on, if you've got victory, give him praise. Hallelujah. I've come to bless him tonight. Come on, in spite of what the doctor said, I believe God's going to do something. Give him praise in advance. In spite of the pressure surrounding you, give him praise. Give him praise. Hallelujah. Oh, come on, let's take a few more moments and just give God a great praise. Come on, Lord, I've come to bless you at all times. Your praise will continually be in my mouth. Hallelujah. Come on, I feel liberty in this house. I feel liberty. Somebody needs to shake the flesh off, shake the devil off, and just say, God, I'm going to praise you tonight. Praise God, praise God. Hallelujah. Somebody give God a shout of victory. In Jesus' name. Praise God. Amen. We've got a reason to celebrate and to shout. We serve a great God. Amen. Somebody say, well, I, I, Pastor, I don't feel like i got a lot of reasons to praise him. You just need to be reintroduced to Jesus. Because in spite of anything going on, he doesn't need to do one thing. We can just praise him because of who he is. He's a God that's worth, you know, there are angels that have never been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. The Bible says the angels desire to look into this. They have never been set free, never been redeemed, and yet they fly around his throne day and night crying, holy, 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 holy. This is why David prophetically wrote, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. If you've been redeemed, that means you've got a song the angels can't sing. You've got a praise on your lips that the angelic realm will never have. Oh, somebody ought to give him praise. Hallelujah. Praise God. Amen. We can, and God created us to worship. And he has given us a praise and a worship that he gets from no other. Amen. If you have your Bibles, the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 10, and verse number 1, and then we're going to be doing reading 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 8 through 11. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Amen. As you're turning there, I want to say a couple things we've been having an incredible church incredible revival we've been easter sunday we had over a hundred people in the house of the lord 31 visitors 11 of them were 11 of them i was told were children 20 adults and i was told on sunday that we had uh, around 75 uh, sister worley you correct me if the numbers are wrong uh, and about 21 visitors six of those being children What am I telling you? God is doing something. And, uh, and God's moving. We had several people receive the gift of the Holy Ghost in the last several weeks. And people being baptized in Jesus' name. New Bible studies started. 
So God is moving. And uh, I've been praying, and I felt very strongly when I was at Summit Conference in Spokane, Washington. Felt like God spoke some very specific things to me. In the upcoming months, I'm going to be teaching. Uh, we're going to be, I've been teaching every Wednesday night, uh, but I'm going to be teaching through the Bible. We're going, to be, we're going to be going through Search for Truth. I'm going to teach everybody in the church of Bible study on Wednesday night. So, uh, because I believe God's polling people, and God's going to give opportunities for us to speak to others. And so I want to do, for those that have never had a Bible study, I'm going to do that for the entire church. Uh, but for the next little while, I feel like God has given some very specific things that I'm going to preach and treach on Wednesday nights. And so I'm going to do my best to follow the Lord. I was praying and fasting the last couple days that God would speak to me about uh, exactly what he wants uh, for me to speak on these services upcoming. And I feel like God started giving me direction. And while I was at Summit, another thing God spoke to me is that I, I believe fully that God wants to take our average attendance over 100. Amen. We've gotten right up to the line. We've crossed it a few times, but I just want to tell you, it wasn't one of those moments where I, I started, you know, it was, a, it was not an emotional moment, but I felt a very still, small voice, and that's how God speaks to me. I believe God wants to take our average attendance over 100. What is that, what is that going to entail? That's going to entail every one of us getting on board and, and bringing people with us. And those that are on the outskirts, just part of the crowd, God's going to call you to come and be part of the core. Amen. And God's going to use you and God's going to use me to work great miracles. And I believe that's the next level. And so I felt very strongly. I was praying and all day I couldn't shake this off of me. Uh, and this, this word that I'm going to be preaching and preaching to us here tonight. 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse number 1. Paul writes, moreover, brethren, I would not that you should be ignorant how that all our fathers were under the cloud and under and passed through the sea, and all were baptized unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea. And all did eat the same spiritual meat, and all did drink the, sp the spiritual drink, for they drank of the spiritual rock that followed them. That rock was Christ. He said all of them were baptized in the cloud and the sea. All of them ate the spiritual meat and drank the spiritual water, and that rock was Christ. But with many of them, or with some of them, God was not well pleased, for they were overthrown in the wilderness, or uh, that word in can also mean by. They were overthrown by the wilderness. The wilderness kind of threw them through the loop. Now these things... Our, and were our examples to the intent that we should not lust after evil things as they lusted. Neither be ye idolaters as some of them, as it is written. The people sat down to eat and drink, and they rose up to play. Neither let us commit fornication as some of them committed, and fell in one day three and twenty thousand. God takes some of this stuff real serious. Neither let us tempt Christ, as some of them also tempted, and were destroyed of serpents. Neither murmur or complain ye, as some of them also murmured, and were destroyed of the destroyer. You notice the correlation here? That if we do what they did, we will get what they got. This is our example. Don't do that. 
Now all these things were written unto them for an end sample, and they are written for our admonition, our encouragement, upon whom the ends of the world are come. Speaking of the last day church, that's you and I. Wherefore, let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. Well, I got it all together. I, man, I'm, I'm locked in. I'm here for the duration. He said, take heed lest you fall also. I've been in this church for 50 years. Okay? Take heed lest you fall also. I hold this position in this title. Take heed lest you fall also. Because God is no respecter of persons. He's a respecter of principles. Then he says this, there hath no temptation taken you, but such is common to man. You're not going through something that other people haven't gone through. It's just common struggle. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape, that you may be able to bear or endure it. Don't you notice there's two concepts here. He will make a way of escape, and he will make it to where you can endure it. So which is it, escape or endurance? Both. It's both. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 8. Paul writes this. In the second book of Corinthians. For we would not, brethren, that have you ignorant of the trouble which came unto us in Asia. That we were pressed out of measure. Well, pastor, I thought Paul just said you won't, you won't have any temptation beyond that which you can handle. Paul, you changing your mind? No. He's given us a revelation. He said we were pressed out of measure. Above our strength, above that which we are able, insomuch that we even despaired of life. But we had the sentence of death in ourselves that we should not trust in ourselves, but trust in God which raiseth the dead, who delivered us from so great a death, and doth deliver, in whom we trust that he will yet deliver us. Ooh, I feel the Holy Ghost on this. We trust that he has delivered us. We trust that he will deliver us. And we, tr and we trust that he's currently delivering us. And he said, you also helping us together by praying for us. That the gift bestowed upon us by the means of many persons' thanks may be given by many on our behalf. Now, I read a lot of verses, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to treat, preach. We'll see where it goes here tonight. But I've got a, I feel like I've got a very direct word. Because I believe that we are in a very special moment. I believe that this is one of those pivotal moments as a church that God's going to take us to another level. And I'm going to preach to us for a few moments on this subject. Pressure release. Pressure release. Would you set down your Bibles and let's pray all across this building. Oh, come on. Would you pray with us? Hallelujah. God, God is faithful. God is faithful. We put our trust not in ourselves, but we put our trust in God. We trust that he will deliver us. We trust, amen, that he has delivered us. And we trust that he is currently delivering us. Oh, God, we give you praise and glory and honor in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Let's give the Lord some praise in this house. Amen.
God bless you. You may be seated. Again, pressure release. Amen. For the sake of time, I'm going to just run right into this full bore. Amen. So that I, I get the point that I feel God has put in my spirit across. Amen. We find in this first text that we read, Paul is reaching back to the Old Testament. And he is using that shadow, as we've talked about so many times, to convey a deeper biblical principle. He is declaring that Israel has had a mighty deliverance from God. He has pulled them out of the land of Egypt with a mighty hand. Amen. For those uh, that don't know the story, we'll, we'll get more into it at another time. But they were slaves for 420, 430 years. They had been uh, generationally bound by Egypt. They had learned the ways of the Egyptian because they were forced to. Amen. But when they cried out to the Lord, the Bible says God heard their cry. I want you to know that no matter how long you've been in bondage, no, no matter how much you are facing, when you cry out to God, he is well able to set us free. So they come out, the Bible says, with a mighty hand. And Paul is letting us know what is really happening. In the Old Testament, you can read the shadow. They come to the Red Sea. And when they get to the Red Sea, God parts it. Amen. For them. And they go through the Red Sea. They go through the water. And when they get to the other side, they are led by a pillar of fire and a pillar of cloud. And, and, and the Bible declares, Paul writing, he said that shadow was, not, was, was nothing more than typology of New Testament salvation. That the way an individual gets saved, amen, in fact, he put it this way, they were all baptized unto Moses in both the cloud and the sea. Well, I don't need to be baptized, amen, I don't need to receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. They were all, amen, every last one of them. If you want to get out of Egypt, honey, you need to go through the water and you need to go through the cloud. Let me define it in the New Testament terms. Jesus said, except a man is born again of water and of spirit, they cannot see and they cannot enter the kingdom of God. You've got to be baptized in water in the name of Jesus Christ, and you've got to receive the gift of the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking another tongue. If you've received that experience, you ought to give God praise. Paul writes, as he's defining out to him, all of them. Well, I don't think I need to do that, preacher. Jesus said, you must be born again. Peter stood up. They said, what, what do we have to do? And he said, you got to repent. you got to be baptized in Jesus' name, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Death, burial, resurrection, blood, water, spirit. You go all the way from the Old Testament all the way through to the New Testament, and you'll find that the way God saves people is through death, burial, resurrection, repentance, uh, baptism in Jesus' name, the infilling of the Holy Ghost. Uh, you might see it through the shadow of the Old Testament. In order to be saved, even in the Old Testament for Moses, uh, you had to have the blood applied over the doorposts. Uh, you had to go through the water of the Red Sea, uh, and you had to be led by the Spirit of God through a cloud. Uh, amen. In other words, uh, the Old Testament is telling us uh, everybody's got to be born again. Amen. They all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. It defines out both. Well, I, I just got baptized in Jesus' name. Great. 
but you need to receive the Holy Ghost as well. You can't be delivered with, with one and not the other. You cannot be delivered and say, well, I received the Holy Ghost. There's a whole bunch of church out there that say, well, we're spirit-filled. Well, if you're not water baptized, you're not obedient to the Word of God. And you can't, you can't fully get delivered until you obey Scripture fully. He said all of them. All of them were baptized the most in the cloud and in the sea. All of them. God provided for all of them spiritual meat and spiritual drink. Amen. He provided for them spiritual manna from heaven, quail. He provided for them the water that flowed from a rock. And I love what the Bible says. We'll talk about it at another time because my preacher brain gets excited about this. The Bible says that rock was Christ. And the powerful thing about it is the Bible says that rock followed them. They were walking around for 40 years, and they kept stumbling into this rock thinking it was a coincidence, but it wasn't a coincidence. That rock was Christ, and every time they needed water, every time they needed amen, God to come through, God had been following them the whole way. I just want to tell you, God has never left you. God has never forsaken you. When he seems like he's a million miles away, you might want to turn around and look because he's been followed. David put it this way, surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. Amen. So Israel gets this mighty deliverance from God. They get out of Egypt. They're getting blessed with spiritual meat, spiritual water. Amen. I want to tell you, this is this to me, whenever I read the Bible, I thought, man, if I ever saw that, I would always believe. I would, oh man, my faith would never be shaken if I saw some of these things. And yet the Bible declares out as you read the Old Testament and as you read Paul's description, he says, but some of them or uh, many of them, there was a lot of people in that moment that displeased God. Wow, you just had manna rain from heaven and now you're displeasing God. You just had the waters part and now you're displeasing God. And I realized real quick after living for God, I've done the same. Amen, I've done the same. Uh, God's done a mighty work in my life. And God has done mighty things in the kingdom of God. And it isn't very long that all of a sudden I start to forget. I preached a little bit about it on Sunday. That I forget about the good deliverances God has done for me. And I want to tell you, that displeases God. That doesn't make God happy. And the Bible says that there were many that displeased God because they were overthrown. That word overthrown means broken down uh, in or by the wilderness. They were, they were displeasing God. Because they let the wilderness break them down. Amen. The weight of the wilderness had gotten to some of them. Notice, all of them got the water. All of them got the spirit. All of them got the spiritual meat. All of them got the spiritual drink. But not all of them displeased God. And not all of them fell in the wilderness. And not all of them let the weight of the wilderness get to them. Amen. The pressure of the wilderness got to some of them. Amen. I want to help us here tonight. The wilderness was not the problem. Amen. They all went through the wilderness. Amen. But the wilderness was not the problem. The issue was that some of them had succumbed to the pressure of the wilderness. And they released that pressure in ways that displeased God. Amen. I'm going to preach to us tonight about pressure release. They released pressure through idolatry. Everybody say idolatry. You know what idolatry is? It's not just the statue. I want to tell you, idolatry definitely is the statue. But idolatry is anything that you place before God. 
Your job can become idolatry. Your boat can become idolatry. Your hobbies can become idolatry. And you know the greatest idolatry of all is the idolatry of self. Your opinions can become idolatry. When God says something, but you say, well, I don't really like that. Amen. When something is coming forth, well, I don't agree with that. Amen. If we're not careful, we become the idol. They, the Bible says that they ate and they drank and they rose up to play. Everybody say entertainment. Amen. Entertainment. You can release pressure through entertainment. Well, I'm gonna. I'm just gonna veg out for a little bit. I want to tell you that you got to be careful to, that you're not gonna displease God when you do that. Amen. Sexual immorality. They, if we were to put it in modern terms, some of them got a little too pressurized. They got on the internet late at night. The Bible says twenty-three thousand died in one day. Everybody say offense. Some of them got offended. They got offended at Moses. He went up the mountain for forty days. And they, they said, well, Moses ain't coming down. He forgot about us. They got offended. They got offended at God because God hadn't done something the moment they asked him to do it. Everybody say bitterness. They got so bitter, in fact, they, that God even trying to teach them a lesson brought them to waters that were bitter. And they said, we can't drink of this. There's no way we can drink it. And Moses, the Bible says, God showed Moses a tree. Amen. And when he takes the branches of that tree and he puts it in the water, all of a sudden the bitter waters became sweet. What was he trying to tell him? There's, there is a cure for bitterness. Uh, amen. There is a cure for bitterness, but you're going to have to find a tree. I can, can I preach New Testament for a moment? You're going to have to go to the cross, amen, and realize how much you've been forgiven of. There's nothing to be bitter about. God's been too good to me. Whenever I get bitter, I just remember what Jesus has done for me, and it changes everything, and it gets rid of my bitterness. Uh, amen. He takes the most bitter waters, uh, and he makes them sweet. He takes the most bitter individual, and he makes them sweet. Amen, because that's what the cross will do for you. Everybody say murmuring. Some of you all did that this week. I've done it myself sometimes. Murmuring, that's, that's, that's what we call talking back. Under your breath, passive-aggressive. It's that God does something, they think God's not listening, and they shut the tent door, of their, they, they shut the tent door, and when nobody else is around, when nobody else is listening, they start mumbling. Well, God, Moses, oh, I don't like this, I don't like that. I want to tell you, God's displeased with murmuring. In fact, it's one of the main things in the entire Bible God's got a problem with. You think that that's a coincidence? I don't think so at all. Amen. Because the same mouth that praises come from and the same mouth that faith is supposed to come from and prayer is supposed to come from. Amen. He said you can't have bitter waters and sweet waters come from the same well. Amen. Can cursings and blessings come from the same well? No. Amen. I want to tell you, you can't, you can't allow the blessings of God flow. Life and death are in the power of the tongue. And if you're not careful, you'll let murmurings and complainings come out of your mouth. Uh, and, 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 and all of a sudden, the things that God wanted to bless are no longer blessed. Uh, amen. Because you're letting death. Amen. You know what murmuring can be? Gossip. Gossip. You know what gossip is? Amen. Somebody, who here, amen, is willing to testify that you're a murderer? Nobody? Okay, good. Well, there's one person. I'm going to pray for you. You know what? Everybody ought to raise their hand. I'll tell you why. Because the Bible says if you hate your brother, you're a murderer. That's the New Testament. The law didn't get less. It got more. 
In fact, when we gossip, it's mouth murder. We start talking about people. Amen. The worst thing you could ever do in your home when God's moving and God's working is start talking negative, start talking bad. When you do that, you are bringing a curse upon your home. You're bringing a curse upon your family. I've seen it time and time again where families get crossways, and when the door of the house closes, they start murmuring and complaining, and I've seen those very same people. Their kids are lost, and their kids didn't need to be lost. And they're saying, Pastor, can you help me with my kids? Well, I can't help you with your kids uh, if you ran me down all week. I can't encourage your children if you told them how terrible of an individual I am. I, I, can't, I can't deliver them. I can't pray them through if they're thinking of everything you've ever said about the church. Brother Troy can't come by and pray for him if you ran Brother Troy down. You got to be careful. You don't let things come out of your mouth because it'll produce death instead of life. And the Bible says God was not well pleased. I get it. We go through pressure, but don't release pressure in these areas. Don't allow these to be the cracks in your life. Come to preach. The Bible says this was written for our example. So we don't do what they did during times of pressure. Don't let the wilderness get to you. Don't let the loneliness, the the, the weariness get to you. Amen. Everyone in this building is experiencing pressure in one level or another. Everybody in this building knows what pressure feels like. There's many factors in, in our lives that produce pressure. There's external stressors and pressures such as work demands. There's people right now you're so stressed out because of your job. There's people that are, you're so, you got so much pressure because of financial difficulties, uh, relationship problems, uh, marital challenges. Uh, there's people you have got so much pressure from your health concerns, uh, and all you can think about is your health. Uh, amen. I, I want to tell you, it's a human thing. It is common to man to experience pressure. Amen. There's societal expectations on what you should do, what you shouldn't do. There's social media pressure on what you should have by this point in your life where you should be. And there's a pressure to perform. If you're not careful, you start releasing that pressure in the ways that displease God. In fact, on top of that, there's internal factors for pressure. Sometimes it's a personal belief. Sometimes it's a bad theology of your, of, of your life. Amen. It's 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 a bad. Uh, let me put it this way. It's it's a bad paradigm. Amen. You start putting pressure in your life uh, that you should be somewhere by this time in your life. Amen. Sometimes we impose upon ourselves uh, certain beliefs that we, if we just grew a little, we'd realize that belief system doesn't need to be there. I'm not talking about. I'm not talking about doctrine. I'm talking about we put certain things, amen, certain strenuous things on our own life that are that are not something God has called us to, and we have to live under that pressure. Sometimes it's self-imposed goals that I have to be here by this time in my life. That uh, by the by the time you're 35, 40 years old, you got to have your house paid off. You're crazy. God bless you. Amen. Elon Musk is a billionaire by now. I should be there. God bless you. Good luck. I hope you can get there. Uh, but, but you put an unrealistic expectation upon yourself. Sometimes it's people that got too high of a standard. I'm not talking about holiness. I'm talking about you put a standard of perfection. And not one person in this building can get to that standard of perfection. Amen. God's not calling you to a standard of perfection. He's calling you to a standard of holiness. He's calling you to a standard of righteousness in Christ Jesus, not perfection. What is that? What's the difference? Perfection says I've never made a mistake and I never will. But righteousness says I've fallen, but God has helped me to get back up by his blood and by his mercy. 
And there's people, you've got a pressure to be perfect. And that pressure is causing you to crack. Unrealistic and un, unnecessary sacrifice often leads people to unnecessary indulgence. I've come to talk to somebody here today. Let me repeat that. Unnecessary sacrifice and unrealistic pressures that you put upon yourself often lead to, to unnecessary uh, indulgences. What does that mean? That means that people, they allow this pressure into their life, and it builds up, builds up, builds up, and they start saying phrases like, well, I deserve it. Well, after all of this, I just need a break. Well, you know, it's just one drink. It's just, it's just one night out. Amen. Because, I, you know, after all I've done, I mean, if you're not careful, we'll get, if we're not careful, let me phrase it because we're all human here today. If we're not careful, we'll start saying, well, man, I, you know, you, this, is, this is where some folks say, say, well, I went on a 40-day fast. Well, God bless you. Praise God for that. And then they turn around after that 40-day fast, and they go to the bar and get drunk. That fast did you no good. You went so far to the extreme, the pressure built up, and you relieved the pressure with ungodly things. Hallelujah. Amen. We are in a time of pressure, church. There's many reasons we're in a time of pressure. Amen. Let me just say this. We're in a time of pressure because we're in the end times. Don't, don't think for one second that things are about to get easier. I, I'm, I'm just really trying to build your faith here today. Pastor, you've been building our faith in the last little bit. When's it going to get easier? Never. Praise God. You just get stronger. When you, when, is this going to get easier? No, it's just going to get tif more difficult. Amen. Pastor tells you the truth. Amen. And so, uh, you know, there's people, man, I just, I can't wait for this to get easier. I can't wait for everything to just calm down. I, I can't wait for everything to get back to what it was pre-2020. And I can't wait for the economy to come back up. I don't know if the economy's coming back up. I don't know if your 401K is going to come up. In fact, as I read the Bible, I do see that the pressure of the end time, it doesn't decrease, it increases. This is why the Bible says in the end time, one of the signs that people miss, that in the end times, men's hearts shall be failing them for fear. I want to tell you, heart attacks are on the rise. Why? Because pressure's on the rise. And men, they can't handle that much pressure. This is why the Bible says God will shorten the days because he wants you to be saved and he wants you to make it. Amen. God's making a way of escape. There's people that in those times of pressure, and then they start releasing it the wrong way. The pressure was prophesied that in the end times it's only going to get more intense. That's why the Bible says perilous times will come. Perilous times will come. For men shall be lovers of them own selves, covetous, boastful, proud. What is that telling us? They're releasing pressure in all the ways that displease God. Now, mind you, even Paul said some of them are, uh, there was a group of them, but not all of them. And I've come to help everybody in this building to not be part of the some of them, but to be part of the majority of the rest of them. Amen. I want to tell you, we're in pressure here because we as a church are pressing to go deeper in God as a church. Amen. You know, in the natural, when you go deeper, anybody that's ever uh, done any diving or anything like that, you know, the pressure only gets stronger the deeper you go. Amen. This is why we've gone to the moon, but we can't, we can't send a man down to the bottom of the Mariana Trench. 
because the pressure is too much. It's too much for man to handle. We've got to send machinery down there. In fact, when it gets to the bottom, even though it's reinforced a thousand times of steel, it's the best you can do. You still, you'll still start hearing the cracks. You start hearing the pressure get to it. Amen. Why? Because when you start going to the depths, listen, you can shout and swing from the proverbial chandeliers. Amen. And you can have a rah rah for Jesus, and that's good. Amen. And you can go all the way to the moon. Amen. But the moment you say, God, I want to go deeper. God, I'm tired of being shy. Shallow. God, I'm going to start living, and I'm going to do that foundational living that we've been teaching about. Amen. The moment you say, do, all of a sudden, the pressure. Let me help somebody. Why is it that when, when those start to back up from their prayer life, it seems as if life gets easier? I'll tell you why. Because you're going to the surface. You're going from the depths to the shallows, and the pressure's really alleviating. But that's not a good thing, brothers and sisters. That's not a good thing. Why is it when some people turn around, they say, man, I'm so, I feel so free. I no longer have to do this, and I no longer have to do that. I'll tell you what it is. You got out of the pressure. Amen. But it's not good for you to get out of the pressure. The deeper you and I go in God, the more pressure we will experience. If you're under pressure, amen, that means you're trying to go somewhere. Amen. If God's got you in the pressure of a wilderness and isolation all these other places, it's because he's got a promised land for you. But you'll never make it to the promised land until you endure the pressure of the wilderness. Uh, we'll never make it to the next level as a church uh, if we don't endure the pressure of the current season. Amen. I want to tell you, God wants to lead us all the way through, uh, but we've got to be willing to endure hardness and pressure as a good soldier. While we are digging down to foundational living, we are going to encounter new dimensions of resistance and pressure. Amen. Don't, that's why, that's why Peter said, he said that, you know what, don't think it's some strange thing when you get, go through a trial. He said the trying of your faith, it is producing in something, something in you that is much more valuable than gold or silver. What is he saying? The pressure that you're enduring is good for you. Hallelujah. He didn't say, he said it, it doesn't feel good in the moment. Like nobody likes it in the moment, but what it produces, amen, as Paul wrote, is an eternal weight of glory. Hallelujah. Amen. Pressure is often the answer from God to our prayer for more. Anybody in this building ever prayed, God, give me more? God, help my marriage to be more. God, help my business to be more. God, help my family to be more. God, help my church to be more. God, help my walk with you to be more. Uh, anybody that's ever prayed that prayer, I'll tell you what that looks like when God answers. Uh, he lets you go through a little more pressure. He lets you go through a little more. Jesus, amen, articulated this in the New Testament when he talked about, amen, the wineskins. He said when they put wine, he said no man puts new wine into old bottles said because the new wine when it starts to pressurize will burst the bottles there are people God wants to take us to another level but if you stay the same old you that's always been let me tell you church at 50 is not going to be the same as church at 100 church at 75 is not going to be the same as church at 100 amen church right here is not going to be the same where God is taking us and there's some people there they're going through death throes trying to hold on to what it was amen but God's going to take us to another level which means a little more pressure and if we try to hold on to the old ways and the old things how we've always done it when that pressure comes there's a bursting and a breaking but Jesus said you've got to put new wine into new bottles so when the pressurizing happens, it doesn't break. 
What is Jesus saying? In order to get to the next level, we have got to be converted. Amen. When you pray, God, give me more, God says, I'm going to give you more. But first, we've got to start with a little conversion. Because God, God will not bless us with that which will destroy us. The gifts and callings of God are without repentance. Every gift of God, amen, it comes, and the Bible says it adds no sorrow with it. God is not going to bring something into your life, even if you beg for it, pray for it, cry for it, if it's going to break you and send you to hell. God would rather you be broke and make it to heaven. God would rather you go into heaven with one eye, with one arm, with one leg, amen, not, not depressurizing into things, amen, that, that displease him than to bless you with something that's going to send you out. Amen. So what does God do? He converts the soul. He converts the individual. He converts the congregation. Church, I want to tell you, God's going to take us. Don't get, don't get married to a version of yourself. God is going to do some metamorphosis. Amen. The caterpillar probably loves being a caterpillar. But God wants to turn it into a butterfly. And the end result's a lot more beautiful. And there's people, you are married to a certain part of your, well, we've always done it this way. We've always thought this way. Amen. Those thoughts, amen, if we hold on to them and God tries to change us, we're going to break. Amen. But if we just submit ourselves and say, Lord, whatever you want to do in my life, I'm willing for it. Amen. God, if you want to change me, you can change me. I'll tell you what will happen. God will bring about the most beautiful things. I want, I've come to prophesy to somebody, God wants to bless you in ways you never thought possible. Amen. But in the current container you are, amen, he knows it would destroy you. But if you come to this altar today and say, God, amen, I want to be ready for the pressure. I want to be able to handle and endure the pressure. Would you convert me and get me ready for it? Amen. Your blessings on the way. Somebody clap your hands and give God praise. New seasons come with new pressure. Amen. Don't crack under pressure. Don't burst at the seams when you're going through times of pressure. There's people... Man, marriage is great as long as they got everything together and everything's well. But moments of pressure, you start seeing the cracks. Amen. If you start seeing cracks, it's a good time to go back and say, all right, God, help me repair this. Because God wants to take us to another level. Amen. The same pressure that crushes the rock can create a diamond. Pressure will either crack you or it will create you. It's your choice. Everybody's going to go through pressure. Everybody in this room. I, I know I'm preaching to every single person, including myself. Everybody in this building, you got pressure right now. And there's people right now, you feel like Paul in the second text, pressed beyond measure, without strength. There's no way I can do this. I want to tell you that's the perfect place to be because that's when God can show up in your life. That's where God can help us. Amen. Let me help us here today. When we talk about pressure release, let's not release our pressure in the ways that displease God. Amen. Uh, it, it's never a season to be carnal, but let me just put it in this, in this current moment. This is not a season to get carnal. The carnal mind is the enemy of God. Amen. It's not time to get carnal. It's not time to let our flesh win. In fact, this is a season where we need to go on a fast. This is a season. This is not a season to sit down and, and purchase Netflix. Uh, amen. I want to tell you, this is a season to throw all that, throw all that junk out and let it, let it never come back into your life and pick up your Bible, get you some preaching, and say, Lord, make me new. In fact, I felt so strongly in prayer today. 
Amen. We're going to do this in the middle of service. Amen. I, I think I think this is going to be real powerful for our church. Pentecost Sunday is coming up. Amen. Uh, that's coming up. I want to say it's March 20-something, 27th or so. Amen. If you will fast one day a week from now until then, would you lift up your hand? You find, find If you can't fast a whole day, you just fast a meal. Amen. Between now and Pentecost Sunday. Amen. I'll tell you what's going to happen. Amen. We're getting ready for the pressure. But when we do the right things, God's going to open up the windows of heaven and he's going to pour out a blessing upon us. This is not the season to get carnal. This is time to get spiritual. We don't release pressure by getting carnal. Listen, if your default, whenever you go through pressure, is to snap, you got to pray. Not time to get carnal. It's not time for less prayer. It's time for more prayer. It's not time to get bitter. It's not time to get offended. It's not time for infighting, to fight amongst ourselves. We understand, we recognize this, that God is going to help us. Amen. If God is going to help us, amen, we must be willing to work alongside God. And that means we must also be willing to work alongside one another. Hallelujah. Amen. Every time a move of God comes, it is preceded by unity. Amen. Church, I want to tell you, it's a time for unity. It's a time for. Let me preach it even further. This is not a season, nor is it ever. Amen. To medicate through the pressure. You can medicate. You can release a little bit. You know, somebody's supposed to blow off a little steam. It's not time. to if you, if you used to be addicted to drugs, it's not time to call up the old dealer. You know, well, Pastor, we've been, I've been saved for this much time. You know what? I just went back to my home church. Hey, where's Brother So-and-so? Man, he, he got saved around the same time I did. Well, last year he went back to drugs. 20-something years. What happened? Pressure. Consider yourself also lest you fall. That's what Paul said. Amen. Lest you think you stand. I want to tell you, amen, from the pulpit all the way to the back door, everybody in this season, I want to tell you, you've got to get your spiritual antenna up. Because the devil is looking for those that he can devour. He is looking for an open door and an open way. He's going to look into, it's time to shore up the weakness, church. It's time to shore, I've come to pastor. It's time to shore up your spirituality. It's, if you are on the fringe, it's time to get off of the fence and off of the fringe and get into the core. If you, it's not time to go back to drugs. It's not time to go back to alcohol. It's not time to go back to pornography and get on the phone late at night. It's not time to go back to entertainment. It's not time to go back to medicating. Brothers and sisters, don't release pressure that way. Amen. Because at the end of the day, it'll destroy you and God won't be pleased. But if you'll get a hold of Jesus, he'll make a way of escape and he'll give you power to endure the pressure. Somebody clap your hands and give God some praise. Devil, I'm not going back to the way I used to be. I'm not going back to the way I used to think. I have seen it. I, I've come to pastor tonight. I have seen too many good people get start resting in their laurels that because they've got tenure. I want to tell you, there's no tenure in the kingdom. We do not believe in once saved, always saved. That means we don't live like it either. Let me explain that what that means. We don't believe that once you're saved, you'll always be saved. We also don't believe that we can just rest in our laurels and just sit back and kick back till Jesus comes. The Bible says we've got to work out our own salvation with fear and with trembling. It's a serious deal to be saved. It's a serious deal to be holy. It's a serious deal to have revival. It's a... 
We can't just sit back and say, well, I'm standing. Because next thing you know, the devil will trip you up like that. It is the sheep that doesn't realize the rest of the herd is gone. That the wolf comes by and gets them. You gotta, that's why the Bible says be sober, be vigilant. Got to get our eyes open. Sober. Amen. That's not talking about just don't get drunk. It's talking about don't get drunk on success. Don't get drunk on the world. Don't get drunk on entertainment. Don't get drunk on yourself. Don't. There's many more ways to be uh, to, to be lacking in sobriety, uh, amen. But you got to get to the place uh, where you say, Lord, convert my mind uh, so my mind is focused and stayed on you. God, uh, direct my eyes uh, where my eyes are focused on what the Lord is doing. Man, Paul wrote, God is faithful. He will not suffer you to be tempted above that which you are able, but will with the temptation also make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. I've always read that, and it's always confused me. What is it, escape or endurance? Both. Paul then wrote, we are pressed out of measure, above strength, we despaired of our life. And then he writes, we don't trust in ourselves but in God. We trust that he will deliver us, and we thank you for praying for us. To summarize what he said. This seems like two contradictory ideas, but I want to tell you it's not a contradiction. In fact, revelation is found. Amen. It lies in the tension between two seemingly opposed ideas. That's where revelation is. Let me say that again. Revelation is found. Amen. Between two seemingly opposing ideas. If you want to gain your life, you must, you must lose your life. That seems like a contradiction. It's not. So what is this telling us here tonight? When we talk about pressure release, I'm, I've, I've come to let you know that everybody needs to release pressure. But don't release pressure in a way that displeases God. Don't release pressure on your spouse. Don't release pressure on your church. Don't release pressure on your kids. Don't release pressure on your boss. Don't release pressure. Amen. Don't let it come out as anger. Don't let it come out as malice and guile. Don't allow the pressure to crack you. Let the pressure create you. So what's the two contradictory ideas? Escape and endurance. God will make a way of escape so that you can endure. So what's escaping? Me? Nope. It's not you escaping because you're going to endure. God will not allow us to be tempted above that which we are able. And yet Paul wrote, we are pressed beyond measure without strength and we feel like dying. Sounds like above my strength and above what I am able. And the verse says, he makes a way of escape so you can bear it and endure it. So which is it, escape or endurance? It's both. God will simultaneously empower us to endure while creating a pressure release called His Spirit that is a way of escape. The Holy Ghost pressurizes you and at the same time the Holy Ghost uh, will depressurize uh, all of the other stuff. This is why Paul wrote, greater is He that is within us than He that is within the world. What is that saying? The pressure inside of us is pushing against the pressure on the outside of us. The Holy Ghost pressure inside is greater than the pressure from the outside. 
Can I preach to somebody? This is why you got to stay full of the Holy Ghost. This is why you got to stay prayed up. This is why. This is why you can't allow yourself to get carnal. Be- the moment you open up that pressure valve, you're going to let out some steam, but some other, something else is coming in. But the moment you let God's spirit in, amen, God's going to give you help, and God's going to give you strength. Let's stand across the building. Come on, let's lift up our hands. Come on. He said, we're going to pressure release by trusting in God. We're going to pressure release by giving God some praise. We're going to pressure release by praying. We're going to pressure release by fasting. We're going to pressure release by praise. Come on, lift up your hands. There are people right now, you are under pressure. You're going through so much. Amen, I want to tell you, God's going to help some of that pressure be released. And when he does it simultaneously, his power's coming in. Amen, you're not going to lose pressure. Amen, from all around, he's going to keep you the same pressure. But now you're being pressurized by the Holy Ghost. Oh, come on, let's pray all across this building. Come on, let's pray. Come on, you're under pressure, but God's going to help you. He's going to give, he's going to make sure he releases some of that. Amen. He said, I'll come and I'll help you. My comforting spirit, my Holy Spirit is going to be that which is going to help you endure. Ooh, I feel the Holy Ghost. Come on, somebody pray. He's going to help you endure. He's going to help you escape. It's all in one. Hallelujah. God's going to give you both. But you got to go to him. You got to go to him. You can't go to your old ways. You can't go to your old paradigm. You got to go to him. Let me help you today. The pressure of our world is not ceasing. This is why Paul wrote pray without ceasing. Because I'm going to need some release from this pressure. God will not give you above that which you can handle. And Paul said, I'm been, I've been given that which, above I, uh, that which is above that that I can handle. I can't handle this. So is God lying? No. He is now willing to step in and relieve you of some of that pressure. You know, impossibility is actually the place where God works. I don't know how we're going to do it. I, I don't know how it's going to, I don't know how we're going to pay the bills. I don't know how, I don't know how, I don't know how, I don't know how. I'm, I'm, I've got so much going on. And God says, I know. But if you'll, you'll let me in, I'll relieve you of some of that pressure. And I'll, I'll, I'll make a way of escape for you. What's that way of escape? I'm going to take some of that pressure off of you. I'm going to put it on my shoulder. He said, exchange burdens with me. And when you and God are working together, Nothing outside can come inside and wreck it. You know, we're standing here today. We're standing here today, and the only reason I'm able to stand and to be the way I am is because I've got two forms of pressure. I've got pressure externally, gravity. But the reason I'm not crushed is because my body is pushing back against the pressure. I want to tell you, the people that are being crumbled and crushed, they have, they have quenched the spirit. They have, they have said, you know what, it's too hard. I can't do it. And they've stopped praying. They've stopped worshiping God. 
want to tell you, that's like breathing out every bit of oxygen in your lungs. When you're underwater, what happens? When you breathe out every bit of oxygen in your lungs and you open your mouth, you're going to get filled in with the water. It's going to overtake you. There are people today you feel overwhelmed. But you need, to, you need to take another breath of air of Jesus here today. And that, that oxygen, that pneuma, that Holy Ghost is going to empower you. When you say, God, I'm so tired, you start releasing to him all of the pressure of I can't do it, I can't make it. And immediately when you release that pressure of all this other stuff, God pressurizes and comes in. And now it's not you fighting by yourself. It's God fighting with you. Christ in us, the hope of glory. Would you lift up your hands as we pray? Come on, would you pray? Greater is he that's within me. Pastor, I'm under pressure. Praise God anyhow. Pastor, I'm under pressure. Pray anyhow. He said we're under pressure, and we don't think we're going to make it. But God... But God is faithful, and when we call out to God, he is able to come in and help us where I was beyond measure, where I was without strength. God pressurized and helped me. In fact, would you come down to this altar? I want to tell you what's going to happen in this altar. You're going to let go of some of that pressure that you've been holding on to. Amen. And it's not going to come out of you in negative ways, but it's going to come out of you right now. And while that happens, amen, when you release, amen, God's going to fill. When you release, God's going to sustain. Come on, let's pray. But, Pastor, I'm under pressure. I, I get it. So am I. So am I. I'm under a lot of pressure, but I refuse to let that pressure out in ways that displeases God. Amen. In fact, I've made it up my mind. I'm going to go to Jesus and say, Lord, this is above that which I can handle. Amen. And God, I need your help. And God's going to take some of that pressure away. And God's going to bear it. I don't have to bear my own burdens, but Christ is bearing my burdens. Would you come and pray? Would you come and pray? There's people here today, you're struggling. You don't know what to do. But I want to tell you right now, if you will give God a chance, if you will call out to God, he'll help you overcome the pressure. Not knowing how we'll get through this test. Come on. I don't want to get crushed. I want to get created. I want God to mold me and to shape me with this pressure. I've made it up in my mind. I'm going to be so full of the Holy Ghost that the pressure outside is not going to make its way to the inside. Come on. Resistance. You need to resist it. You need to resist it. Amen. Resist that pressure by getting God on the inside. So he can help you push back against the pressure. Push Everything back against the weight. We need you supply. You've got this in control. And now we know that you made a way. When our backs were against the wall. And it looks as if it was over. You made a way. Standing here only because you made a way. 
now we're here looking back on where we've come from because of you and nothing we've done come on that's to it deserve the love and if you'll pray under pressure god will relieve you some of that other pressure if you'll praise under pressure god will relieve you some of that other pressure made away when our backs were against the wall and it looked as if it was over you There's some folks under pressure, but the Bible says that we can bear one another's burdens. What is that? Bear one another's pressures. Why don't you lay hands over on your brother, on your sister? You may not know the pressure they're going through, but if you will get with them, they will feel a lightness. They will feel a lifting in their spirit. You made a 
but you didn't made a way. Don't know how, but you didn't made a way. Don't know how, but you didn't made a way. Don't know how, but you didn't made a way. Come on. Pray for that brother or sister like you'd want them to pray for you. Pray a blessing on them. You may not know the pressure they're going through. You may not know the turmoil in their family or in their home. But if you'll pray for them, I believe the Holy Ghost is going to move. And the pressure is going to go. Amen. The pressure of the Holy Ghost is going to push out the pressure of the world and the pressure of all the mess. You move mountains. You cause walls to fall with your power. Perform miracles, there is nothing that's impossible. And we're standing here only because you made. You move mountains, you cause walls to fall with your power. Perform miracles, there is nothing. That's impossible, and we're standing here only because you made, and we're standing here only because you made, and we're standing here only because you made When our backs were against the wall And it looked as if it was over You made a way And we're standing here Only because you made You made a way When our backs were against the wall and it looks as if it was over you made a way and we're standing here only because you made a you made a way when our backs were against the wall and it looks as if it was over you if you're praying, I want you to pray with me. Just keep, keep praying. Should have listened for just a, a few moments. Is this bottle full? Is this bottle full? Most people say, was it half empty or half full, right? I've said this and taught the churches before. This bottle's full. It's not full of water. But it's full. It's got water up to here and the rest is full of oxygen. Atmosphere. So what happens if I dump this out? Is it empty or full? It's still full. You know, this is an allegory of life. Let's just represent this for a moment. That water is all the external pressures of your life. This is your finances. This is your marriage. This is all of the things your boss yelling at you today. 
And you know what happens every day? We take it to the outward proverbial faucet. And we fill it up with more trouble, more pressures, because that's how life is. Now, if I didn't want to, if I wasn't afraid to get this carpet wet, I'll just let you imagine it. But when you come to church and you pray and you praise and you worship, what are you doing? The, Peter put it this way, cast all your cares upon him. Throw as hard and as far as you can. All my fishermen cast. Throw. Get rid of all of your cares, all of your pressures on him. That's the way of escape. It's not you escaping. It's that pressure being released. You cast all those cares upon him. Why? He cares for you. This is why we must pray without ceasing because the world is going to keep trying to put its pressure. It's going to keep trying to dump the water in us. And we got to every day, we got to pray. God, get the boss, the job, the, the, the house, the car, the dog bit me. All the pressures. Got to keep casting them out. And what happens? We release that pressure to God. And in turn, he fills us with his love, with his mercy, with his grace. There are people right now under the sound of my voice. Your bottle is so full of external pressures. You know, Peter and the apostles are on a boat. And the Bible says they get in the middle and they get into a storm. That sounds like pressure to me. You know, some people that you really you really start to see what they're where they're at when they're under pressure. You start to see how they how their disposition is when they're under pressure. You know, you start to see if your dog's really nice when you back him into a corner. If they bite you, that's where your dog's really at. Amen. You start to see that with people too. They get back into a corner, they start biting. But you know what happens is they're in a boat. And there's nothing wrong with the water, the, with a boat being in water. Boats were made to be in water. But the water starts getting in the boat. And they say, we're going to die. They start trying to bail water. This is what it's like. It's called self-effort. Just trying to get rid of the pressure little by little by myself, by my own. This is medicating. This is pressure release on entertainment, all this. I'm trying to get rid of the pressure. But somebody got the bright idea. Let's go get Jesus. And in one moment, Jesus stands to the bow of the boat and says, peace be still. And all of a sudden, all the water that we thought was going to kill us is actually helping us get to the other side, out of the boat and back in the water. Praise God. I want to tell you, that's what it's like every time you come to church. You are taking the pressures that are supposed to be outside that have gotten inside. You're putting them back. That's what this altar is for. Lift up your hands one more time all across this building. Let's pray. Pour it out. Cast all your cares. Cast all your cares. All of your pressures. I want to tell you it's not time to cast all your cares and let the pressure come out on your spouse. Nope. It's not time to let it come out on your kids. Nope. It's not time to let it come out on your boss. No. You need to hit the altar. You got to pray. You got to get up tomorrow and you got to pray and say, Lord, I got too much pressure from the outside on the inside and I need the Holy Ghost to push that stuff out. Father, we love you. We thank you today. Thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord. I, I believe you spoke this specifically to me today in prayer for our church. 
I pray, God, that I know you want to take us to another level. God, help us, amen, to remove all of the other stuff, amen, that is causing us to crack and crumble, God. And, Lord, fill us in those areas with your spirit. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. Shake hands, be friendly, love one another. God bless you.